We are back and better than ever after the one point loss to the Bulls. Kind of exactly what you dream of. Really a four point loss because Mike Muscala hit that three pointer with one second left. It wasn't going to make a difference unless they fouled him, but we'll take the one point loss though. Uh, what a game, I would say, but really honestly, what an ending before the last maybe six or seven minutes of the fourth. Really not a game to go rewatch unless you're looking for a certain statistic, you know, hand counted or really just see certain plays or how a certain player played. But overall, not a game to rewatch until the last maybe six or seven minutes. I was getting flashbacks of that. I think it was the first time we played the Bulls in the 2019 through 20 season. When we were down 26 and came back, Chris Paul had 30. He closed them out with like, I think it was four or five threes in the fourth. Yeah, I was having flashbacks to that, and that was fine a few minutes. Super exciting towards the end, but the whole game was kind of rough. Vucevic was definitely the advantage for Chicago. He took complete control the whole game whenever he needed to, up until the end. I'll get to that later about how they closed it out. But, yeah, he had 26 points, 15 rebounds, four assists on just 18 shots. That's all you can ask for if you're Chicago. He played incredible, honestly, in my opinion, on both ends, on inside the arc, outside the arc, on, on the offense. Inside the arc, his defense still isn't, you know, it's not going to be stellar, but that's one of the things I think Shea took advantage of, the lack of interior defense that they got, especially just coming off the Cavs with their two big ones. You got to take full advantage, and I think he did that pretty well. Uh, he had... He had 31 points on 66.9% true shooting, which is nothing more you can ask. His big highlight for me, once again, two for five, three point. He shot one for three on step backs. If you want to include that game, game deciding last 10 second shot, he shot two for five, uh, one for two on catch and shoot. I'm excited the past two games he shot more catch and shoot threes than I've seen a lot, like all season long. He hasn't shot that many, it feels like. So him keep shooting catch and shoot threes, I think, is a big help for other creators. Part of the reason, like, if he's shooting a catch and shoot three, that means he's open, and that means another player's creating somewhere. Likely chance it's Josh Giddy, but we'll take it either way. Uh, many times this season, he's got the ball, just kind of dribbled it out and not really giving him the chance for catch and shoot. It looks a lot like Harden. Harden does that a lot. He'll, he won't even or he pass up the uh, catch and shoot three just to try to get in rhythm, which their shot, they know what they're best at, but a catch-and-shoot three is the best three you can ask for. So I feel like that's a good sign to see him shoot two of those in the game. He shot one for two there. He's over a 40, above 40% on catch-and-shoot, even though it's not many attempted. Still a good sign. I think you should still try to find out if that's a good good possession for us to run. Like, if we can get a catch-and-shoot three from him, can't ask for anything better. Uh, outside of Shea, though, we didn't – play great we shot really bad percentage or really just from the field and free throw 18 for 24 from free throw Shea with three of those misses but he shot 14 of our 24 free throws so you hard to knock him on that even though i'd love to see obviously higher percent than just 79 percent but yeah dort with 16 on 13 shots giddy with nine on 11 shots he shot four for six from inside the yard it was the over five from three-point range that really kind of tanked his stats. Uh, all the threes were good shots, though, so it's not like he was just kind of jacking them up without any chance. 
if he makes one of those, in a sense, we win by two. Like, like obviously, the game goes different after the effect and everything, but that's how close just a couple shots would have made. Dort had that clutch three at the end. He was three for five overall, but that clutch three at the end with about a minute left or so, that was really the biggest biggest shot he made for sure. He did have a one position where he kind of drove in, missed the – or got blocked on the layup. The ball bounced back to him. It was a whole big fiasco, and then he got fouled, luckily. But then he also almost forced a three after he made that three I just spoke of, which I was kind of scared about, but he passed it up to Shea. So that was a good decision because many times, maybe not many, but occasionally I'll say on my Instagram about how late in the game or after he makes a big play on either end, he'll always just kind of force a possession. Like he'll drive to the basket, force a shot. He'll force a three. No matter how good of a shot selection it is, he's shooting it. Uh, People down me on this, but it reminds me of Westbrook. He'll get caught up in the moment. And I mean, it's cool if you make the shot, but, it's not the smartest thing. Sometimes whenever you make those big plays and either end, you got to kind of slow down, regroup, and then you're going to make the right play after that. Uh, Mike Muscal, I loved his minutes tonight. He had 14 points, four for 11 from three, five for 12 total. But the way he spaces the floor, especially against this Chicago defense, it kind of – so I'd like to see him get more minutes for sure. I always love watching him play because he's – one of the biggest helps because he's so good off ball. Like I just said, space in the floor, run the pick and roll with SGA. You can't ask for like any higher percentages. I think he shoots around. I think he's our highest percentage, even though he may not take the toughest or the most highest percentage, highest percentage, especially because it's not like he shot four on the season. He shot quite a few with 3.7 a game. Yeah. 44%. I'm looking at it. That's easily the highest on our team. One thought I had throughout the game is that each and every game, I've missed a couple games this season, but each and every game I've watched, every single time, it is clear and evident at how much we're missing a big man. It's not even, I'm not asking for the dominant big man, somebody who can't be stopped, just somebody. Like our rebounding was atrocious. We got lucky towards the end because they were just throwing the game away towards the end, last six, seven minutes. But Every game, it gets annoying just to watch and see, like, if we had a center, we could have won. If we had a center, we could have won. This game, if we had a good center, I think we easily win. Now, obviously, this is just one out of one out of 72 or 82 games or whatever played this season, but I think we'd have at least 10, 10 more wins than we have now at minimum if we just had a good center. So it's tough to see every time after a game, you're like, dang, if only we had a center. You know, last night, if we had a good center, because Diakite was doing great. And he's like our backup, backup, backup. So if we had a good center against that type of squad, it would have held do, open up so much more. So you can look at it in a bad way, as in, dang, I want to win now. You know, it's tough to see us win like this, but I'm going to look at it in a good way and think we're good like this, we're playing like this. Imagine next season and the years after, whenever we do get a stellar center, which I think – He's either coming up this draft or the next draft, whether we trade up in 2023 or not. But not good now, but you can use it as a good sign in that kind of range that I that I am. Trey Man, stats didn't look anything impressive. I'm not just going to read those off because it's not like he put up stellar stats, but he, he shows flashes every time he plays. 
super impressive. Uh, I was skeptical of the pick for sure. Whenever we drafted him, I was like excited because it's kind of like a high ceiling. It may work out real well. It'll be a great pick, but I was like looking at it. There's nobody else that we could have really taken. It was the best pick that we honestly could have gotten. And he just shows flashes every time he plays. Like, I'm not saying that as in, oh, he's got to start or he's got to play more minutes, but if he shows flashes every time he plays, every time he gets more minutes, he capitalizes more. He recognizes a lot with the defense. Every time he plays like 20 plus minutes, you're almost guaranteed a highlight, which doesn't matter in the grand big scheme of things, but it's exciting. I mean, just having a player like that, other than Shea and Giddy, it's hard to get a highlight in the squad unless it's a big Darius Basie block or a just hype door play because he's just that type of guy. But speaking of highlight plays, though, that middle middle of the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken, Jeremiah Robinson Earl had that crazy stuff. Oh, I can't remember who it was, but he was going up to jam that thing. And Robinson Earl had no fears, dude. That's exactly what you want to see, though. Jay in the third quarter had – 12 points and five assists. And in that quarter, we scored 30 total points. He contributed for minimum 22 of those 30 points. He was the only thing keeping our head above waters with that stellar quarter of 12 points and five assists. That was actually his lowest like shot percent, shot percentage uh, quarter, but that's just because he took the most shots. And I'm fine with that. If he's got to take shots to keep our head above waters, that's what you got to do because he had racked up 31 points, three rebounds, 10 assists, and three steals, and a block. Stuff the stat sheet again. Didn't quite lead us in every category like he did Saturday night, but no problem there. When he has 10 assists, 10 assists is great. He created numerous chances in the first quarter that I saw. Five assists, that's half of his assists, obviously, in one quarter is the third, but I'm excited to see those stats again of the potential assists. I think it could be 18, 19 plus. Because with this squad, likely chance PS 10, he's going to have, or 10 real assists. He's going to have 15 minimum potential assists. Because this isn't exactly the squad that that is going to capitalize every time he makes an open shot. As a team, honestly, I basically what I said already, but fourth quarter is really when we started working together. Like we were hustling for the boards multiple times, balls up in the air for a rebound. We just tipped it out. You can say it's lucky or whatever, but we tipped it out to our own player. You know, that's just hustle plays. That's what you like to see down the stretch though. All game long, it's not going to be the most uh, consistent or sustainable, obviously without a center, but towards the end, dude, they started just handing the game away. It looked like they did not want to win at all. I don't know, obviously, if that's the truth. Probably not. But we outscored them 32 to 19. We almost made a 27-point comeback, which I don't know if we've ever beat our 26 record. I don't know what our one was against L.A. this year. I think it was 26 off the top of my head. Now that I think about it, so that might have been a franchise record if we had made a 27-point comeback. But... But, yeah, not a crazy ton to highlight in this game. Uh, the ending was really weird, though. The last 10 seconds, I know it's kind of controversial. Some people were saying we should have taken a timeout because what happened was we had a timeout and had the ball, like, inbounding it just under Chicago's goal. And instead of taking the timeout, we just 
passed the ball in. Shea got it, dribbled it up. And what he did was, so he didn't take the timeout. Ten seconds left. He did a step back three on the right elbow, missed it by a hair. I don't mind that shot selection at all. He's a great step back three-point shooter. He's made clutch threes all year long. The only thing is we've we've won multiple games off of this scenario, and you don't call a timeout. You go down and get a layup, right? Seven seconds left. You foul them. They miss a free throw. You're down two. Boom. You can win off a three. You can go to overtime. So it puts the ball in your court with much more space to work with. But we didn't execute it fully right because if you don't take a timeout, I think you got to attack the basket, get towards the rim. Assuming you make the layup, because I think it would have caught him by surprise, because some people were saying it didn't catch him by surprise, which I don't know if it did, but what would have caught him off surprise is going, attacking the basket, getting to the rim, getting two points. You're down just one. Okay, obviously, likely chance. I think Levine probably would have got the ball. He makes two free throws. Oh, well, you take a three just like you did with 10 seconds left. Taking a three like that with 10 seconds left instead of attacking the rim, kind of just, it's kind of like, I don't want to say throwing the game away, obviously, but even if you do make the three, they still got a chance at winning it. So I don't mind not taking a timeout at all. I actually would have preferred that not taking a timeout. But if you don't take the timeout, you got to attack the basket, like I just said. Get two, foul him, hope he misses one. If he makes both, oh, well, same result's going to turn out, regardless of what time it is. It's kind of so, yeah, I don't think we executed it right. I think they gave us plenty of chances to kind of capitalize, which we did occasionally. Better team would have fully capitalized on them, which is okay, but that's just how it goes. But, yeah, if we called the timeout, it probably would have been the same result. So I'm, I like the decision to let him play, but I don't know what if Mark told Shea anything, if he told anybody anything really on the last 10 seconds, but I wish Shea would have just attacked the rim because he easily would have gotten two points because the court was easily open for him to get a layup right there. Uh, one thing that I did notice that was kind of interesting, and I don't think a really coincidence at all. Um, so the first, second, and third quarter, we shot 11 for 26 at the rim, which is 42.3%, which is extremely low, or in the paint, I'm sorry. So we shot 42% in the paint in one through three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter alone, we shot 60% on 10 shots, so six for 10. I don't think that's a coincidence at all. Uh, that shows kind of because we were much more successful in offense in the fourth than any other quarter in the game, obviously. So that's the biggest thing is that if we t- attack the rim consistently as a team, that's the most valuable aspect in basketball, in my opinion, attacking the rim because it's the most sustainable, efficient, and consistent play style you can ask for. And that's one of the things I obviously love about Shea's game because he's our franchise player and he's got, in my opinion, the most valuable aspect you can ask for. And then Chicago, through the whole game, shot 54.5% of the rim, which kind of surprised me, actually. Whenever I was calculating it up, I was, like, expecting kind of 60s ranges because we have no center, and I felt like they made every shot. But clearly they shot nothing like I expected, which is perfectly okay. But... I wish we would have capitalized a little bit off that because they didn't play the greatest. Obviously, we didn't either if we lost, but Zach Levine, he shot six for 19, 23 points, and three for 10 from three. Anytime you see him shoot under 40%, I feel like you got to kind of rub your eyes real quick and make sure that's actually what you see because he's the most 
I swear, dude, I always see him shooting like just an efficient 50, 40, 90 every single game. So seeing him shoot 31, 30 splits, super rare occasion. Unfortunately, we didn't get the win off of it, but at the same time, you turn your head and you see Ayo, is it Dasunmu? If I pronounced that right. He started the game 10 for 10, which is absurd. 10 for 10, 4 for 4 from 3. I was like, this guy just cannot miss. 24 points. He did miss his last four shots, and he fouled out. But without him shooting 10 for 10 to start the game, we're probably in control most of that game, and we probably come out with a W. But you can't just look at it like that, though, because things happen. He did shoot 10 for 10 starts, so that's how it goes. But one play that did have me pretty pretty excited was, I think it was the one that I spoke about previously, whenever Dort just kind of almost forced the three, but then dish it off to Shea at the top of the key. Shea drove in, kind of got stopped a little bit, so he stepped back, kind of faked a shot, and as he was going up for the shot, it was going to be a tough fadeaway at the top of the paint. So I was like kind of nervous to see him shoot that. I think he can make it, but just any type of jump shot is just always scary to me for some reason. But then Giddy made the perfect cut. Shea recognized that, dished it right to him, got easy two points. That was a pretty high play because I think it brought us within – five or six or something like that. I'll have to make sure on that. But, yeah, that was a pretty high play. Probably my favorite teamwork play of the game. I always just love seeing Shea and Giddy pass to each other and shoot off each other's passes and everything. Even though it may not be the most common type of play for us, that doesn't matter. It's always fun. But I think that's honestly all I got for today. Not much to talk about. Just the ending is really all the highlights. And then I'll probably be back. I'm going to say Wednesday. Look at some of the questions you guys sent in uh, from last week. Answer some of those. I can't wait for that. That might be a little bit longer than what these are because these aren't supposed to be that long because I don't think anybody wants to listen to crazy long ones just about a recap of a game. But 